Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alameen, and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. Uh, remember, folks, keep up with us. We're on social media. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. And also make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and TuneIn, all at Radio Islam USA. Really easy, really simple. All right, family, it is, uh, it's really great to be back. Uh, I don't know if you know, but I have been dealing with the flu for almost two weeks. Uh, and it started when I got back from the Sundance Film Festival, which happened to coincide with that, that terrible polar vortex we found ourselves in the middle of uh, right here in Chicago. Uh, Arctic temperatures. Uh, it was supposed to be, I heard, like 50 but fifty below, but I don't think it got to uh, as cold as minus uh, 30, but uh, whatever. It was still really cold. And uh, anyway, but before I could get back here, I had to go through my return flight being delayed like three times before they finally canceled it. Um, they tried again the next day and made it back home, thankfully. Anyway, while I was there. Um, at the film festival, I was able to snag a few interviews, and one of them was with Razi Jaffrey. He's a documentary filmmaker, and he's one of the producers for Loyalty Stories, Muslims in the Military. Uh, some of you might remember, we spoke with the uh, filmmaker and uh, producer, David Washburn, um, sometime last year. Uh, and that film was also being screened at Sundance. So in addition to uh, his work with loyalty stories, he also has a, a film that is in post-production, um, which centers around Hamtramck, Michigan, which you may or may not know is the first municipality in the United States with a majority Muslim uh, city council, mo uh, majority Muslim governance. And now, on another note, some of you may also know that Hamtramck is the birthplace of Imam Warthadine Muhammad, uh, who was known uh, at his passing. He was uh, referred to as America's Imam. Well, even before that. But anyway, that is a little Hamtramck trivia for you. So anyway, uh, here is my interview of Razi Jaffrey. Enjoy. You were on the production, one of the producers for Loyalty Stories, and we are here at the Sundance Film Festival, and we are happy to have him with us. Hello, everyone. Assalamu alaikum. It's good to be here. So tell us, um, what, was, what, what attracted you to this particular um, story? So there's a couple things, you know, I'll say, um, you know, I, I am, I'm a filmmaker myself, and I've been working on a project uh, that recently won a, a grant award from the Islamic Scholarship Fund, and uh, so did David Washburn, who was the director of uh, Loyalty Stories. And when I saw this film, a clip of the film at the, at the award banquet, and I met David, um, I realized he was a really sincere person, and it was a story that, um, you know, I prob probably would have wanted to tell myself. 
um, because it places at its at, at 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 its crux this very complex dilemma uh, in the sense that you have the institution in the United States that's considered to be by many, if not most, the most sacred institution, juxtaposed with the community in the United States that's considered among the most toxic and marginalized and misunderstood. And so how does someone uh, in America that doesn't have a lot of familiarity with uh, Muslims, Muslims living in America, the history of Islam in, in, in America or the United States, how do they reconcile those two? And so for me, I saw it as a bit of a challenge. Uh, and I think personally it was a challenge because of my own sort of complex feelings about the military. But those are some of the things that drew me to the project. Do you think that this film, uh, and not just this film, but I'd like to e expand it because being where we are right now, where, um, where uh, filmmakers are able to share their visions and share uh, their ideas on, on, on what they possibly think could help to change or move the consciousness of, uh, of, of the viewing public, uh, do you think films like this are that this is th this is the time that there's an audience that's really ready uh, for this and what do you perceive uh, the impact to be? Yeah, uh, what a great question. I, I mean, this, those stories have always been there. And I think we're living in a time when there's now a sensitivity and a realization of why those stories are so important. Um, so, you know, I'll speak about the Muslim community, you know, for a second, but a lot of what um, I think about this applies to other communities that are not understood well either, like the African Americans or uh, the Latino community in the United States. Um, so we're living in a time where Muslims are at the same time uh, misunderstood and misrepresented in the media, uh, discriminated against, um, and face threats of all different kinds. But at the same time, there's a there's a there's a uh, a real curiosity about Muslims in America today as well, and we're seeing opportunities um, from uh, you know or opportunities being given to filmmakers, writers, poetry, poets, storytellers to be able to tell those stories. Um, but as I mentioned, they've always been there. Uh, it's just a matter of now there's an opportunity for people to actually get their voices out there. And there's a few trailblazers in our community that have been able to uh, cross that threshold uh, in the previous decades. And now we're seeing other people follow in those footsteps as well and, and, and take advantage of that. Um, there is a huge curiosity about Muslims in America. The other thing that's important to recognize is that Muslims occupy every strata of American society, from politics to popular culture, to government and law, academia, um, and Islam, in my estimation, is the most diverse religion in America. So there's an incredible uh, amount of stories that, um, that need to be told that represent the diversity of our community that would also in turn help America understand who Muslims are better. Do you think, when you mention the diversity, uh, I think back to um, a, a panel yesterday, uh, and it was a diverse group of Muslim uh, Muslims in Hollywood, uh, and they they talked about that diversity. Do you think that that's a diversity that's understood by those who are in uh, in the industry, but maybe not uh, necessarily internalized by just Muslims writ large, um, in thinking that there is a much more um, Think, thinking that basically to be Muslim is is very, it's not multidimensional yeah. uh, at all. Uh, you know, and another great question, and I think this is something that's really, let's set Hollywood aside for a second, it's not even something that's really well understood within the Muslim community in the United States. Despite the fact that Muslims being the most diverse uh, religious community in America, there's a lot of segregation in our community. And unfortunately, people don't, 
really understand or know um, the demographics. Uh, they don't know where people live, um, who Muslims are, what their backgrounds are, and they generally tend to stick to their own um, ethnic enclaves, um, whether it's South Asian or Middle Eastern or Bosnian or um, you know other ethnic backgrounds. They tend to sort of stick to themselves, and there's very few communities in the United States. Uh, Muslim communities, I mean, uh, which are fully or more integrated or enmeshed, you know. And I, the other thing I would add to that before I get to the Hollywood issue is that um, there's another divide in our community. It's not just by race, but it's also by class. Um, and if Islam is, uh, is, is a force that can break that down, then we need to do a better job with that. Now, looking at Hollywood, it then should come as no surprise that Hollywood understands or looks at Muslims through a singular filter or a singular lens um, because there's a very limited perspective that even Muslims have of who Muslims are in America. I'm very fortunate in my experience that I've been able to work with a broad range of Muslims and anytime I'm asked to consult on a project, I typically will try to lay that out as, a, as, as, as just basic foundation that, you know, look, if you're asking about do Muslims do this, do Muslims do that, or what are Muslims' opinions on this thing or that thing, well, Muslims are are no different than anybody else in the United States in the sense that they're influenced, uh, inspired, motivated by the environmental, economic, social, familial forces that are present in their lives, you know? And so I think that's one of the things that we can do as Muslims who are in the industry to be able to help Hollywood uh, and the powers that be better understand this nuance around diversity even within the Muslim community. Okay, so before I ask you about some of your, your own work, I want to I pose this question to you. Uh, do you think in an effort to become more um, mainstream, if you will, right, to, in, in order to be able to get those financing dollars, uh, making films in the way that they have um, traditionally been made, do you think that there is a uh, that, that some filmmakers, uh, some aspiring actors and just folks in the industry, that they are compromising possibly to tailor themselves to fit into the existing system instead of, instead of uh, building that system that is going to allow them to, uh, to represent themselves with, with, with some authenticity uh, and, to, and to really bring their creativity to light in a way that, that really shows something different than we than what we've been allowed to see through the the typical industry green lighting process yeah the industry gaze yeah um man this is a this is a really good question and i'm gonna be a little bit careful about how i answer it because um you know some of the we have seen some muslim filmmakers that have um had to deal with this type of pressure, you know, as well, because Hollywood wants to tell a certain type of story. Um, I'm just going to leave it at that. What I will say that today is that we are starting to see um, stories that are being told from a Muslim perspective where the filmmaker and the storyteller is the primary resource for the material, where it's coming from. You know, um, being here at the Sundance Film Festival, one of the things that I've seen is a real um, a curiosity around Muslim voices and perspectives. We've seen that through panels and we've seen that through several films that have been shown as well. You know, one film that, you know, may end up, uh, you know, being somewhat controversial in, in the Muslim community, but what I will say, and I'll, I'll, I'll mention as the film um, uh, Hala by uh, filmmaker Minhal Beg, um, 
Minhal Beg, uh, that uh, is a coming-of-age story about a young Muslim woman, and it's entirely told from the perspective of Minhal. You know, she wrote, directed this film. It's being produced. Um, uh, it's being produced, and you know, hopefully, we'll see it on a wider release um, next year, or you know, and we'll see other work, you know, by her and other filmmakers, where they're putting out work that's in their own voice. And so, what what I'm seeing is a general trend towards more of a curiosity, more of an openness to allow the voice of the Muslim filmmaker to uh, to come in, and that will be the uh, that will be the primary driver of that story, and uh, and that 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 the influence of the you know of the Hollywood decision makers, you know, hopefully they will um, defer to those Muslim voices as well. We're seeing it a little bit taking place, you know, already. And hopefully that'll continue to happen. I just want to add one more thing to that: is that you know inevitably and undoubtedly there will be people who are outside the faith that will make stories about Muslims. And the one thing that I would say to them is that you know be curious, ask questions, try to understand, and don't bring your preconceived notions um, into your storytelling, into your filmmaking. Try to understand the people that you're working with, uh, and the and the people um, whose stories that you're telling. You know, and I think there's some people out there that do a great job. And this is one of the things about David that attracted me to him is because he took the time to be curious about his subjects. He took his time to learn about Islam and to learn about uh, the different, uh, um, you know, layers of diversity and complexity within our community. And that's one of the things that gave me a cue that um, he's a sincere storyteller and a sincere filmmaker. So if there's any, if there is any uh, formula or format that any uh, filmmaker should follow, whether they're writing or they're telling a story about uh, things that they are familiar with or something that, you know, if they're just curious about. Um, but the prerequisite is curiosity to act on that and to, and to bring in folks that can actually uh, give you, you know, verify, you know, uh, valuable information, you know, real resources. Yeah. There, you know, there are anytime you're trying to tell a story, especially if you're trying to be nuanced about it, there are um, there are cultural, political, social dynamics at play within any community, whether that's a Latino community, whether that's African American community, that if you are outside the community, you cannot do it without the help, without the insight and consultation um, and the advice of people from within that community. You will not be able to tell an empathic and nuanced story. And I think as filmmakers and as storytellers, that's our goal, you know, to move people um, emotionally and to tell stories that are accurate. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I don't know what other way to do that is other than to be curious and to ask people, ask them questions and, and ask them questions with the intention of learning, you know, not necessarily just to aggregate information, you know, learning and cultivating a sense of empathy, you know. So I'm, I'm excited um, in prior conversation with you. I'm, I'm excited uh, for the completion of your film. Um, and for those who are familiar with uh, the late uh, Imam Warthin Muhammad, you'll know that he was born in Hamtramck, uh, Michigan. And, and that's a, the centerpiece of an upcoming, the, the work that you, you're doing right now. Could you tell us, tell us a bit about that? Absolutely. I'm working on a very exciting project 
um, you know, and, and I'll just sort of lay out some geography for everyone. For those of you that are not familiar, uh, I'm from Detroit, and uh, Detroit is so big, it actually has two cities inside of it, Hamtramck and Highland Park. <laughs> Hamtramck, Michigan happens to be America's first Muslim-majority city, and it also happens to be Amer the first city in the United States to have a Muslim-majority city council. Um, and so our film, which is entitled Hamtramck USA, uh, which is co-directed by myself and my good friend and creative partner Justin Feltman, um, uh, examines the benefits, complexities, tensions of multiculturalism and diversity through the lens of Hamtramck's 2017 municipal elections. Um, being America's first Muslim-majority city, uh, and us today living in a climate of Islamophobia and anti-immigration sentiment, uh, allows Hamtramck to become a great case study as we move towards uh, changing cultural landscape in the United States. What is our country going to look like? You know, how are we going to engage with our neighbors, our friends, our classmates who come from all different backgrounds? Um, our country's changing very rapidly. In a few decades, we will be a m minority, I hate saying it because, you know, but, but you know, a minority majority nation, you know, a predominantly nation of, of color. And uh, so what does that mean for us? And there's a lot to learn from Hamtramck's um, achievements, but also its stumbles along the way. And so those are some of the things that we're examining uh, through this film. You know, one of the thing, uh, one of the things that I hear or that I deduce from commentary, uh, from the pundits, uh, when, they're, when they're talking about immigration or they're talking about crime, they're talking about minorities, um, is that there is a there, there's an underlying fear, uh, and that fear of displacement, uh, even though history tells us a much different uh, different story, uh, and it's not the same everywhere. But I mean, if you look back to Muslim Spain, uh, this was a time where uh, the, the the Jewish population there had, you know, uh, safety and, and, and security, right? Um, this idea of pluralism that has existed in other spaces. Uh, protected minority status, uh, individual liberties, is really not something that has existed in the United States, something that we have striven uh, for. Uh, and I think that it would be, uh, I'm in interested, as Hamtramck being a majority Muslim city, to, to uh, what the minority there, how they see themselves, is it a, is it a, um, a case of feeling a sense of protection, or is it a case of Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> you know, man, what a what a great question, um, you know. So now you've put me in the, on the other side of giving the perspective of of non-Muslims and how they perceive their experience to be living in a city where the population is majority Muslim. You know, the other thing I would add, just real quick before I dive into your question, is that you know when we say Muslim in Hamtramck, um, what that refers to is a multi-ethnic community. So you have people from all different backgrounds, including African-American, white, uh, you know, U European, you know, we have converts, we have people from Bosnia, Albania, uh, uh, we have uh, people from Iraq, Syria, Lebanon. Um, predominantly, the, the makeup of the Muslim community is Bengali and Yemeni. Um, but I just wanted to lay that out there, that even, Very within, important. even within Hamtramck, there is a, there's an incredible amount of ethnic diversity within the Muslim community. So as you can imagine, you know, the Muslim community, when we talk about them, even within Hamtramck has a diversity of thought, opinions, cultures, backgrounds, influences, and motivations. So the community does not vote in a block. 
does not always vote the same way, is not concerned with the same issues, and is not affected by the same uh, cultural, social, and political uh, realities that are taking place in America. You know, um, so one thing I would say is that the majority of Muslims in Hamtramck, uh, if not all of them, tend to be working class, and so they do they do share that challenge, right? Now, then, kind of going on the other side of how it's perceived, how the experience is perceived of non-Muslims living in Hamtramck, in much of my experience, what I would say is that it's fairly innocuous. Uh, you know, I think there's some cultural quirks of living in Hamtramck. So the 80-year-old Polish grandmother has no choice but to shop at the Bengali grocery store. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, and the same goes for, you know, the other folks that live in town. Um, you know, there's, uh, Hamtramck has a long history um, of immigration. Um, there have been many refugees over the generations that have come there, many immigrants that have come there. Uh, for most of its history, it was a majority Polish town, and there have been large populations of Ukrainians, um, other Southern Europeans um, that have lived in the city, uh, Russians uh, as well that have lived in the city. Today, the demographics have shifted a lot more. Um, and we've seen a lot more, you know, migration from places like Yemen and Bangladesh, uh, but also migration from within the United States, so places like Astoria, uh, you know, Jackson Heights, you know, things like that. Um, and I think largely, for the most part, I would say that the experience of non-Muslims in Hamtramck has been positive. Yeah. You know, um, I think in a way, they also tend to build an element of social cachet, um, especially people that are a little bit younger, because they get to um, experience a multi-ethnic um, enclave within, you know, Metro Detroit, where people are actually living close to each other, yeah. and it's not segregated in the same way. It still is segregated, but not exactly in the same way. So, you know, a person living in Hamtramck gets to invite their friends to come enjoy a Yemeni meal or invite their parents to come have Bengali food or go to a Bosnian restaurant or have Polish food, so on and so forth. So one can, if they really wanted to, have a fully multi-ethnic and even to some level a cosmopolitan experience living in, in Hamtramck. You know, it, it, perhaps like, you know, you don't have a lot of the cultural amenities that, you know, wealthier cities do, but you get to experience life on the street, you know. And so I would say largely the experience has been positive. Now, Hamtramck suffers from uh, many of the same uh, political and economic ills that cities around it do. Um, and that has nothing to do with people being Muslim or being Catholic or being Polish or Bosnian and so on and so forth. Recently, G General Motors announced the shutdown of a major plant in Hamtramck, an assembly plant, and that's going to affect everybody whether you're Muslim, whether you're Polish, whether you're Albanian, whatever it might be, it's going to affect everybody. And so there's this shared struggle that I think people experience um, within Hamtramck, and that's what I was alluding to earlier, of being a working-class town. Yeah. And so when something like this happens, which in my humble opinion is catastrophic, you know, it affects everybody in town. You know, and so, you know, that's really the extent of which I can speak to, you know, in terms of the non-Muslim perspective or experience, you know, um, I'm sure there's tension there. I'm sure people feel like, you know, they don't really like it, that there's all these like brown people or Muslim people in town and that many uh, people in their own community have converted to Islam. I'm sure that there are some people like that, you know. Um, you said that was a that was a, a great question, but I think the answer was even better. <laughs> um, <laughs> and And certainly... Most folks probably probably wouldn't um, think cosmopolitan. Yeah. 
in Hamtramck. <laughs> Thinking of a working class town, yeah, being cosmopolitan. But but yeah. but, but but the way you explain that that absolutely yeah. uh, absolutely makes sense uh, and definitely is an appropriate uh, descriptor. Yep. Um, so let me ask you this last 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 question. If we don't want to uh, be late, and, and I'm enjoying this conversation. By the way, we could talk for <laughs> like you know yeah. yeah. Um, so what's the timeline for uh, completion uh, of the film and uh, what's distribution going to look like? Yeah. So, um, you know, we've been fortunate. We've received some grant funding from the Center for Asian American Media. They gave us a large grant that also gives us um, a tentative broadcast deal with Pub Corporation for Public Broadcasting for around early maybe 2020. So that's PBS. Um, we've also received funding from the Islamic Scholarship Fund, which we're really grateful for. Um, and so we would like to premiere the film at the big film festivals, Tribeca, Sundance, uh, in 2020. So that would be ideal in terms of timeline, but it's just, it's too early to say, and it's one year from now, so anything can happen, you know? And so we're working with our editor, we're in post-production now, um, we're gonna start doing sound and composition for music and things like that um, within a few months. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a big priority for me and Justin uh, to work and finish on this project, to get it done uh, and put it out there in the world and tell the story, because it's a really, really important story. So how can, uh, how can listeners keep up with you how can they uh you know stay abreast of developments so a couple things i'll say um uh, we are on social media so on facebook it's hamtramck uh documentary uh on instagram we're hamtramck doc we're also on twitter um you can also contact justin or myself uh directly um the biggest thing we actually re need right now is uh fundraising and we actually have a campaign on launch good so if you search for our project on launch good um or it's launchgood.com backslash hamtramck doc you'll find our project there. Uh, we're trying to raise money for the project, and that's the one of the ways in which people can directly support the project uh, in helping us fundraise, and then also keep track of what's going on with the project. So through social media and our Launch Good campaign. Razi, it has been a pleasure talking to you, and I'm really looking forward to, uh, to the release. I'll keep you posted, yeah. All right. All right, family, thank you for listening. Uh, I'll be trying to share as many of those interviews as possible in the coming weeks. Um, you know, we'll just see how the how the schedule goes. All right, this is your host and producer, Tariq el reminding you that the views expressed by the host and her guests do not necessarily reflect the views of Sound Vision. Uh, and with that, we are going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.